0: Quest presents an Encore presentation of Shelter in Peace.
1: Good morning, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Shelter in Peace. We are broadcasting live from our studios here in Roswell, Georgia, at AM 1160, The Quest, your Catholic radio station here in Atlanta. I'm Mari Cleveland, and I'm joined in studio by my co-host, Ann Satilli. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, and our amazing producer, Annie Porter. Good morning, y'all. And for those of our regular listeners, you know that we typically um, have a guest on, usually during the second half hour of our show. But today, our topic is so rich and so important that we've actually asked our guest to come on with us to be here with us during the entire hour. So we also have with us via phone, Father Dan Ketter. Good morning, Father.
2: Good morning, Mari. Good morning, Ann. It's good to be with you.
1: We're so glad to have you with us. And um, so, for those of you, those of our listeners who may not know Father Ketter, he is actually the judicial vicar for the Archdiocese of Atlanta. He works at the office of the tribunal, and he also, at one point, was a pastor at Saint Jude. Um, at the Apostle Catholic Church in Sandy Springs. woohoo, woohoo, my my, my parish.
2: <laughs> so, we'll pause. Just for, just for um, clarity's sake, I was the parochial vicar. I want to give Muncie oh, your gift. he yes, was the pastor. he was I, the pastor. Was, <laughs> was <his> assistant. <laughs> That's yeah. so
1: funny. In my mind, I was <laughs> going to say parochial vicar, and then I got them mixed up. I was like, oh, which one's which? Which one's which? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, and th- some people, I also want to say welcome to listeners who may not have listened to Shelter in Peace, because we actually put out a pretty big, Email blast inviting people to listen today because of the just the importance of importance of this topic, and I know that so many of you were probably drawn in by either the topic itself or brought drawn in because you are um, a groupie of Father Ketter, which we know that happens around here too, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, so not to put you on the spot. Yeah, but no that, pressure,
2: Father. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right.
1: Exactly. So I'm
2: going to... Unfortunately, ch- no mugs or t-shirts or anything like oh, that. Oh, you so, don't have uh, anything? <laughs> yeah, so. Nothing to see?
1: <laughs> That's hilarious. That's great. Um, so we, we always open in prayer. And so before I introduce our topic, Father Dan, would you be willing to open us in prayer?
2: Absolutely. Thank you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, today the Church remembers and gives thanks for um, the uh, tremendous priest, Saint Padre Pio of Pietrocina. And uh, we praise you for the way in which you work through this uh, humble friar uh, to touch the lives of countless numbers of people, to draw them. From darkness into light, uh, from sin into holiness. Uh, Lord, we ask for the intercession of St. Padre Pio uh, for this hour that we spend together, for our conversation, and for the hearts of all those who will be listening, uh, that you will move with the same power with which you moved in the lives of those to whom St. Padre Pio ministered, that we might all know ourselves as children of god um, beloved by him and called to uh, eternal life so bless us all now we make this prayer in the name of your son jesus who is lord forever and ever amen amen in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit
1: amen Oh, that was beautiful, Anne and I. Whenever we listen to you pray, we just oh. can we just stay there in that <laughs> prayer space all day, <laughs> you know. And and I think in a way that's what we're talking about, right? That's what we're talking about today. Where what what, what space are we in, right? Are we in that prayer mm. prayer space? Are we in that space where we're inviting the Holy Spirit? And I think it really is so appropriate that this is the feast day of, um, Padre Pio, because like you said, there is a very evident that there's darkness and light going on right now. And where are we called to be? And who are we? We are the children of light. Even our readings, you know, today and talking about we are the salt. We are the light. Um. Mm -hmm. So in talking about our topic, Eden, we, we knew we wanted to have Father, um, Father Dan on with us. And, and I asked him, I said, Father Dan, we'd love to hear just what's on your heart. What would you like to speak on? You know, and Father, you, you sent me an email and I thought it was so well said. I'm just going to read from what you said. You said, you know, it's really, um, I realize what's pricking my heart is how important it is for Catholic and Christian, Catholic families, Christian families to be very, very wise and disciplined in their engagement with pop, popular culture. And Ann and I read that, and Tom is my other co-host, and I read that, and we thought, oh my gosh, that is such a huge topic. So that's why we are devoting two mm-hmm. different sessions, two different shows to that topic, because it is so important. Um, and we really do yeah. feel like it's especially relevant and important today. And so just so that everybody understands what we're going to be doing, we'll, we are breaking it into two sessions. Today we'll talk primarily about the fact uh, just what this means What What is going on What is the current state um, Kind of the big picture And because of this big picture What is the calling for each of us What kind of calling of awareness What kind of calling of action um, What do we need to think about And then um, next week We're going to get into a additional practical ideas. Um, We'll give you some spiritually practical ideas today, but next week we're also going to get into kind of a continuation of this topic, but also a bit more practical because of the consumption that's happening in our local culture. As far as um, our social social culture with TV and movies and things like that, so next week we'll get into even more of the the tactical nitty gritty for you. So just setting the stage there. Um, so Father Dan, as I kick that off and kind of talk about that was what we talked about. Um, that's what was on your heart. Would mm-hmm. you share with us, or just kind of start to set the stage for our listeners around this topic?
2: Sure. I mean it's something that's been um on my mind and heart as a as a priest for the you know 12 plus years that, I, that I've been a priest uh, but it was kind of you know sort of brought to the fore a few weeks ago when I was preparing my homily for uh, the Sunday mass and the second reading uh for uh, the Sunday mass that weekend was from Romans, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, just two verses, verses 1 and one and 2, and uh, it begins in this way. St. Paul says, "...do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect." Hmm. Now, uh, as um, many Catholics will know, the Sunday readings um, are structured such that the first reading, which is typically from the Old Testament, in some way corresponds to the Gospel reading. Oftentimes you see the same theme or the same topic, the same idea reflected in both, and so. It's it's natural most of the time for uh, the homilist to preach on the gospel and maybe incorporate you know its connection with the first reading from the Old Testament, the second reading, which is most usually a reading from the epistles of Saint Paul, um, it follows its own own cycle, what we call a semi-continuous reading of the letters of, of Saint Paul, and most of the time, what Saint Paul is talking about in that second reading is is not Clearly related to the first reading or or to the gospel. Providentially, sometimes it lines up rather neatly, um, but I'd say most of the time uh, it does not. And so sometimes the preacher may not even make reference to the to the second reading. Or what the homilist will sometimes do is just focus the homily on the second reading and draw out you know its message. And and so that's what I ended up doing uh, a few weekends back when. Our second reading was from this, um, the, the, the 12th chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Romans. Again, do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. And um, I just saw it as a, as a, a good opportunity to, to speak about this issue, which, as I mentioned, has is, is always been on my, on my mind and heart uh, in, my, in my years as a priest. And, and that basically is that, you know, the, the culture in which we live, American popular culture, has sadly um, uh, developed in a way in which its values and priorities are almost entirely antithetical to our, to our values and beliefs as Catholics, as, as Christians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this, this change in popular culture has in some respects, it's happened slowly, but in other respects, it's happened very quickly. But at any rate, I don't think our um, our ability to critically um, evaluate and um, our ability to filter the the, the negative uh, ideas and messages of our popular culture. Um, such that they don't corrupt our, our Catholic faith. In other words, we've been, I think for the most part, that as Catholics and as Christians, we've been, we've been a bit naive to how inimical the culture has become to our Catholic faith, and yet we still just drink in the culture in terms of music, television, movies, you know, internet, magazines, I mean, you name, you name it, mm-hmm. social media. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just consuming it in an uncritical, unfiltered way, and it's inevitable that if that's what we're getting, you know, 24-7, um, then, then very likely uh, our Christian values, our Christian beliefs are going to be undermined mm-hmm. and perhaps ultimately lost altogether. And so, what I did that Sunday was just try and call uh, my congregation's attention to this fact, and then challenge them to be, to become um, wise consumers of the culture, and mm-hmm. begin to establish some some disciplines and some some uh, principles uh, for for engaging with the culture such that they are protecting their faith and the faith of their their loved ones, be it their spouse, their children, you know, others in their life. Yeah.
3: Well, I think, uh, Father, one of the words that just um, jumped out at me uh, from that scripture is the word discern. That was the same word I wrote down. (laughs) And I think think that sometimes we're not intentional about discerning what it is the will of God. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if we're going to... um, Try not to conform to the world. I think that's where we need to have our focus is, is in uh, discerning the the truth, mm-hmm. um, and. I think that Padre Pio, uh, you know, he had that down. He knew that he had to rely on God. Um, I I love his prayer after communion. Um, Mm -hmm. Over and over and over in the prayer, he says, stay with me, stay with me. Mm -hmm. I need you, stay with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we have to be really intentional about praying that prayer without ceasing so that we can discern Mm -hmm. um, what Mm -hmm. it is God is really asking us to do to live perfectly in Him, not in the world.
2: Yeah, I think that um, I'm not a great Latinist by any means, but I think the the root uh, for discern is uh, related to the, the idea of cutting or to cut, hmm. Um, hmm. and that we have to be able to um, cut out some things, you know, that we recognize are not complementary, compatible, consistent with, um, you know, what I hold most dear, what I hold most, most true, uh, which, of course, for us is Catholics and Christians should be our, our faith, our belief in God and the Lord Jesus and um, all that the, the Lord uh, has has taught us and that we hold dear in our Catholic faith.
1: Mm, yeah, that is beautiful. Um. So, Anne, I was going to go ahead and go to you, because when we were having this conversation with Father Dan, you were saying, yep, this is something that's on your heart, or you were very intentional, like you just said, kind of discerning and discerning the will of God as you were raising your kids and some of some of your your insights about this would you like to share
3: well i think one of the scriptures that has always kind of scared me mm-hmm. um especially when i became a parent and um you know that fear of the lord is uh matthew eighteen five to 7 um and whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin it would be better for him to have a great millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of things that cause sin. Mm. And, you know, we're supposed to not be afraid, but mm-hmm. uh, but th- mm-hmm. that whole idea of the millstone, I mean, th- this is a serious statement here yeah. of what we're called to. And um, as parents, you know, they put that little baby in your arms in the hospital and you just know it's a gift from God. Yeah, Uh, You know, this precious child that it is your job now to really essentially get them to heaven. That's your (laughs) job, you know, not get them, you know, to the best college and the best career, and mm-hmm. you know, have all the material things of the world, but it's really your job to get them to heaven. Um, and there was a lot of eye rolling in our house as our kids were growing up because we would say to them, um, You know, we don't answer to the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't care what other parents are doing. Um, We're not here to make you happy all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, We want peace and harmony and joy in our home. But that's going to come from um, putting the Lord first and doing what we think is right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we would say to them, we're going to have to answer to God one day face to face in what we did For you this Mm -hmm. precious gift that we were given um and so my husband and i would go back and forth and continually remind each other when we were kind of maybe losing it or making a bad decision because Mm -hmm. we're not perfect um because you
1: live in this post-christian culture right
3: correct Mm -hmm. and um so we would you know continually remind each other that what 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 is the goal? What is our our priority? And that is you know God, mm-hmm.
1: marriage, family. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you were very intentional about that. You were. It sounds like you were very very intentional about that. Yeah,
3: and I think I, I think that you have to be intentional. You have to live intentionally, or mm-hmm. you will get mm-hmm. drawn into the the things of the world. You have to pull back and be. Um, it's not even it's not even really prioritizing because there is only one priority,
1: mm-hmm. and right. that's
3: that's to you know live in in god and live by the spirit so you've put that first and then then you
2: make your priorities
3: right you know? yeah
2: i think that gets to the heart of the matter really what what is most important in our lives is it um the lord jesus and becoming saints gaining eternal life you know through the the grace you won for us on the cross um uh it's, it's one thing to say it, you know, profess it in the creed when we gather in, you know, at Mass on, on Sunday. It's mm-hmm. another thing to really make that a reality in, in our lives. And when uh, we really do do that or try to do it the best we can with God's grace, it means making some really hard decisions, some tough decisions about what we tolerate, what we accept, what we are involved in, what we choose, and what, you know, what, all the things that we don't. Um, and and I I guess what I would you know want to call people to call Catholics to is kind of a a priority check you know what what is the most important thing in in my life in our life as a family mm-hmm. and and is that the governing principle that orders everything else in our life or as I as I, as I tend to see so often you know Jesus. Our Christian faith is, is one good among, among many, mm-hmm. set alongside many, without any really priority or, or preeminence. And too often, then, um, our faith ends up getting shaped by, you know, the culture or other, other things that we place alongside our faith, rather than our faith informing everything else in our life.
1: Yes, and I love the way you say that our faith actually informing everything else in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, listeners, if you are just tuning in, you are listening to AM eleven sixty, the Quest, your Catholic radio station here in Atlanta, to Shelter and Peace, and we have as our guest today Father Dan Ketter. And um, so that that so for me, so it's interesting. I think part of that intentionality, part of that discernment first needs to come with just recognizing okay what is my view what where is my where are my thoughts coming from where are my priorities coming from because they're so ingrained in us that sometimes we don't even realize it and it's interesting in, in getting ready for this conversation i remembered i'd actually written um a talk actually it was 10 years ago i wrote this talk for a bible study um, talking about worldviews and just talking about, okay, what is a worldview? And and there, uh, there was a quote from a qu- Christian thinker that I found um, named James Sire, and he talked about a worldview is really a commitment. So to your point, Father, it's a commitment. We are committing and we are mm-hmm. saying, right? Okay, Jesus, my worldview comes through Jesus. But he said, it's a commitment, and I love this, it's a fundamental orientation of the heart. You know, when Jesus yeah. came, he came and he said he was going to circumcise our hearts. Right. So our worldview is really it's a commitment. It's a fundamental orientation of the heart. But then we express it through the assumptions that we have, through um, the beliefs that we hold, through the, our basic construction of reality. What we see as true or false. And what we see as important. And, and as I went through that exercise, especially as a young parent, you know, 20 years ago, when I first had my first child about 20 years ago, you start just, you know, and just like you said, this baby, oh my gosh, now what's now going what? on? Now right. what? And, and, and what's my job for this, for this mm-hmm. child? Right. And so it was interesting. And when I looked at my life particularly, I thought, okay, well, what kind of worldview do I have? And my worldview, um, I was very happy with my worldview. I thought my worldview was a pretty good worldview. Um, I I grew up overseas. Um, uh, For me, it was very wide. It was a very wide worldview because... um, we traveled a lot as a family. By the time I was twenty-five we'd been to over fifty countries. The tenants, so basically those tenets of my worldview were things like knowledge. Um my family, I came from a long line of people who teach. So knowledge was really important to us. You know, how many languages could I count to ten in, or or how many facts did I know? Um, experiences, you know, all the different experiences that I got to do and and see um, food I got to eat from all these different countries and then achievements, you know, and that's kind of typical for all of us living, right. especially where we're living here in Atlanta. It's all about achievements. You know, how many awards, how many uh, ribbons and all this do we all have? And what was interesting is, as I stopped to really think about it um I started, well, my worldview started actually to change even earlier than that when I made a curcio and Jesus became the center of my world. You know, he went from just from, from being my savior, who was on the cross, who I went and thanked every Sunday to actually my Lord, where he was, when you say Lord, that means I'm submitting myself. I am putting myself under your authority and I am choosing to focus everything on you. And so what's interesting is for me personally, that pursuit of knowledge, that worldview of knowledge being so important, turned into a desire more for God's wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, my quest for experiences turned into a desire to do His will and do whatever He wanted me to do. And my thirst for achievement really became more of a desire for Him to humble me and for my prayer to become um, what John the Baptist's prayer was, you know, Lord, let there be less of me and more of Thee, or actually, I'm sorry, that was that was St. P- um, Paul. Uh, Saint Paul um, said that, but I also thought um, John the Baptist was this, you know, I've got to decrease so that he can increase, right? right? And I'm not worthy. Yeah, exactly. That I'm not worthy. And so when I, but I need to just personally do that first for myself before I could then say okay now what am i raising going to raise my children in mm-hmm. and how i'm going to have these conversations with my children and i had to to your point father i just start cutting some things out i had to cut out mm-hmm. certain radio programs i listened to i had to cut out certain tv shows that they weren't terrible but they really weren't edifying they weren't leading me in a great way um even mm-hmm. something very simple like i don't know and if you remember this but when you first have kids parent magazine gets your address for some reason (laughs) and you you get all of these free magazines all of a sudden but all of this and i realize i'm reading all these magazines because you want to be the best parent you can right and they all have conflicting advice because it's all worldly advice i I stopped them all i was just i cut them all out i cut them off and i was like okay for instead i'm going to start turning to sources that i know that i can trust um that have a godly view you know that these are things um either godly people recommended them or they came from godly sources but i really started to look at where is what i'm consuming coming from and therefore how is it influencing and informing to your point my world view and then turning to scripture and just saying okay god you're the one who knows you're the one who gave me this child um so you're going to have the, the best answer for this but i think that part of that informing that discerning needs to come first by each of us individually. Absolutely. Right. Saying, well, what is my worldview? And therefore based on that, how am I behaving and acting? And what kind of things am I putting as priority in the lives of my family?
3: Well, and I think that the key is that humility, you know, when, Mm -hmm. when we're leading with pride, that is very worldly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that, that submission, like you're saying to the Lord and, you know, being, being humble. Mm -hmm. Um, At one point, uh, There was something going on in my world and one of my friends this is many years ago uh handed me a litany of humility yeah that's a really good (laughs) friend who can hand you the litany of humility um and i i pull that out Mm -hmm. often Mm -hmm. just to
1: remind myself yeah and father we've got about three minutes before we head to break um ann and i can see each other in the studio and see when we want (laughs) to speak but we i don't want to interrupt you too so i'm going to give you um a few minutes here to kind of um, reflect on some of what we just talked about
2: well i thought i'd just follow on what Anne was sharing about her own um you know experience as a, as a wife and mother and and you know their their growth um in their commitment to their faith and how that began to to shape you know all their decisions as mm-hmm. a married couple and as a family i was um just yesterday speaking with a very good friend of mine, uh, we attended Seminary together. He's a priest in the Diocese of uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and was telling him about you know the, the conversation we were going to be having today. And he just reflected a little bit on his own experience growing up and um, just his gratitude now for you know the 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 way in which his his parents raised him and the tough decisions that that they made in saying no to, you know, certain aspects of, you know, popular culture, um, Mm -hmm. and placing emphasis on their relationship uh, with the Lord Jesus and and their faith. And he recalled how his mom would pray, you know, as a family, that she would pray that her family would be a family set-apart, Mm-hmm. My family set apart, and it's yep. funny because my friend at the time he was a kid, and he would he told me that he would say, Mom, don't pray that, don't pray <laughs> that <laughs> as a kid, you don't really want to be set apart, you want to fit in you know you want to be accepted that's obviously a big thing you know as you're growing up, and particularly as you move into your to your teen years and and so he was pushing back against that, but that's what his mother and father knew that 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 was their call mm-hmm. as Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they were consecrated, which literally means to be set apart. Set apart, up, set apart know, exactly. Uh, uh, to be, you know, to be salt and light in in the world. And and now. Now he thanks God for that his, mm-hmm. his mom prayed prayed that prayer that they wouldn't be a family set apart incidentally his sister is uh, a consecrated religious wow. <laughs> as well uh, so um, the prayers so, yeah of they've Moss. got priests and a religious right um, so yeah yeah I think I think that's that, that kind of captures the idea of, of what families Christian families are, are called to be a family set apart
1: Yeah, exactly, yes, and you do not want to get in the way of of the prayers of a righteous mom. I know it says righteous man in scripture, but I think a righteous mom. (laughs) New translation. Yeah, exactly. So we are headed to break in just a, a couple of seconds here. So dear listeners, you are listening to Shelter in Peace, and our guest today, Father Dan Ketter. Thank you for being with us, and please stay tuned. This is Carrie Allen from Proclaim My Word in Dahlonega, Georgia. You're listening to Atlanta Catholic Radio AM 1160 The Quest.
0: The Quest presents Mom Minutes with Cameron Frad from Among the Lilies. Sometimes as a mom, I think that we think we need to have it all together and we need to show our kids that we have it all together. But I don't think that's true. I think one of the greatest things we can do with our children is tell them when we mess up. Tell them like, you know what, mommy made a mistake here and I'm very sorry. I did something that was not okay and I shouldn't have done it. I do it when I lose my temper with my children and I say, please forgive me for losing my temper. And my children say, mom, I forgive you. Teaching your child to admit when they've been wrong and asking for forgiveness is huge. I encourage you to use this language with your children model it show it my husband and i say it to each other we say it to our kids when we do something wrong we don't say oh well that's okay don't worry about it or just sorry it's please forgive me and then receiving that and saying i forgive you i love you you don't have to be perfect as a mom be real be honest seek forgiveness when you make mistakes for more homegrown wisdom visit thequestatlanta.com hi this is aj with the quest You can take AM 1160 The Quest with you no matter the location. Listen live any time of day. Discover community resources and submit prayer requests at thequestatlena.com.
1: So welcome back, listeners. You are listening to Shelter and Peace here on AM 1160, The Quest. And we have as our guest today, Father Dan Ketter. And we are talking about a pretty um, rich subject. Um, I'm Mari Cleveland, and my co-host is Anne Satilli. And we are in conversation with Father Ketter around this topic, which is really the topic of um, us living as Catholics, as Christians in the world today, and how we need to be very wise and discerning, and disciplined as we engage with the popular culture and we just had a great conversation about um what what is it that first of all just being very intentional about that and even understanding that we are we are really living in a post-christian culture and as father father dan said you know it used to be that our culture was somewhat parallel to our beliefs but in in recent years um, or maybe not so recent, maybe in the last couple of decades or so, that the American culture has really become very antithetical to our faith. So what does that mean for us, especially as parents, especially shepherding the flocks that we were given, um, as parents? And the, the story that, that Father, um, Father Dan just shared right before we went to break was, um, about a priest friend of his whose mom prayed that her family would be set apart. And they really were set apart. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which was great
1: um Amen. and I know that Anne, when we were talking when we were talking with with Father Dan earlier this week, you had a great story from your own family about where you guys had um obviously raised your children in the fear and admonition of the lord and yeah. and reminded them of their priorities. We we're talking about priorities as well, and you have a great story about um a situation where your family or your at least especially your daughter mm-hmm. Kellyanne was set apart
3: right um it It's not easy. To set your family apart, mm-hmm. you know, um, but th- that's part of our journey. And, you know, Jesus never said it was going to be easy. But mm-hmm. it's difficult to watch our children um, when they're in a, a difficult situation. We want to make things easier for them. Yeah. But that isn't always in their best interest. Mm-hmm. I think that um, even at an early age, our kids need to understand um, being persecuted for righteousness, mm-hmm. for doing the right thing, mm-hmm. for having that courage to stand up and, and, you know, knowing where that they can, what, who they can rely on, right. and how to get through that. Uh, when Kellyanne was in eighth grade, uh, she went. My children went to Catholic school, mm-hmm. and they were planning their eighth grade trip, and um, they were going through the itinerary in the classroom. Everyone was very excited, and the the teacher got to Sunday. And said, um, "Okay, so we're uh, we're going to go to Six Flags, and we have to be there at a certain time, and we'll get off the bus at this and that time, and um, and we're not really going to have time to go to mass um, because we need to get there at this particular time. So we're going to read the readings uh, on the bus and say a little prayer, and that'll be fine. Mm. And um, you know, Kellyanne knew that was wrong, mm. and she stood up and said that, you mm-hmm. know, challenged the teacher in a respectful way." Um, um, and just said, basically, I don't I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and the teacher really just kind of shut her down. So when she came home and, ex- you know, with the schedule and explained to her father and I what was happening, um, obviously, we went in and, you mm-hmm. know, met with the principal and said, you know, this is a Catholic school. What are we what yeah. are we teaching our children? Right. Um, so a new schedule came out and mass was on the schedule. But during that weekend, my daughter was shunned mm-hmm. and um, and really uh, abused by the adults on the trip, the other parents. Wow. Wow. The teacher um, actually really bullied her the rest of the year, the, the last of the semester at school. Um, but uh, when it came around to confirmation, the bishop came a couple weeks after their trip, and our pastor had shared this story with him. And so during his homily, the bishop actually addressed that issue without using Kellyanne's name and um, you know s- talked about the importance of the sacraments and how great it was that they went to Mass and how someone had courage to stand up for, mm. for what was right. Uh, and she really felt you know, vindicated by that, and what a gift from mm-hmm. God that mm-hmm. you know, she felt so alone um, but in that, in that church and
1: in, in the sacrament in the mass, she, she knew she did the right thing. Yeah. That's, that, and that's such a beautiful Testament to you and to Tom, you know, that you raised her in a way that she knew right from wrong. She knew what was right. And, and, you know, the Holy Spirit was alive and well and pricked her spirit there. I mean, the Holy Spirit pricked her heart and said, Whoa, you know, and then gave her the courage to stand up. Yes,
3: right, and I think if we give our um, our children opportunities mm-hmm. uh, to experience that as they're growing up with our guidance, mm-hmm. um, they're only going to be stronger adults.
1: Right, right.
2: Yeah, as you share, Anne, and as was reflected in the the story I, sh- I shared about my my priest friend and his family experience growing up, that you know it's got to start with the parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the the parents are going to have to help their kids make the make the hard decisions about what we as a family will consume in terms of you know the popular culture and and what we will what we will not. Can't uh, rely on children to have that uh, power of discrimination or discernment. You know, mm-hmm. uh, right? And at, it isn't always
3: it isn't always what we say to our children. It's what we do. You know, mm-hmm. they're watching our every move. Um, as a family, we always made mass a priority. Even when we were traveling, it was, it was mm-hmm. a, it was actually a fun game to look at, you know, <laughs> what, what are the options for mass this weekend? Is there a really cool church we want to see you yeah. know, as we're traveling oh, well. or, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, my son played con- t- competitive tennis and, you know, mm-hmm. when we would travel for tennis, we'd, we went to mass you know it was yeah. just always a priority i mean it isn't anything i i don't think that we sa- necessarily said to them mm-hmm. we just we lived it um and the message is caught not taught
2: right you yeah. know one um one important little feature of, of this is, um, I think it's worth highlighting is I mean, think parents have a natural instinct, of course, to want to protect their kids from being hurt, you know, in any way, physically, emotionally, whatever. Um, and, and one dimension of that is not wanting their kids to be, you know, um, not liked, mm-hmm. you know, or looked upon differently or left out. Um, And, and that can lead parents then to, I think, want to expose their kids to all the other things that other kids are being exposed to, because that will maybe help their child fit in, you know, Mm -hmm. or be accepted Mm -hmm. or be cool, whatever. Um, but, um unfortunately um that's going to mean exposing your your child to just a lot of garbage a lot of stuff that's not consistent with with our christian faith and so uh well not only children but parents um need to be okay with um not fitting in Mm -hmm. you know or not being you know in the in crowd or the accepted group, and, and we we often talk about that with relation, you know, with respect to kids. But it's equally true with parents that parents too need to be okay with, yeah, we're going to be a little different. We are. Yeah, we're, we we're are not going right. to be like every other family, and, and we're all going to be cool with that. Right.
1: Right. And I think that you know, I know our family has experienced that. We have my husband and I um, have made some choices that I realize keeps us out of certain situations or being invited to certain things, and that is perfectly fine and and our kids see that i want to go back just for a second you know these things are um caught and not necessarily taught but sometimes they they are also taught i'm thinking about with with my kids a couple of examples where we need to equip our kids so part of this is also helping them recognize what's going on and i know that we talked before about um, where Scripture really reminds us to be sober and vigilant—that we do have an opponent out there. Mm-hmm. You know, we pray the Saint Michael the Archangel prayer. That's not just a prayer we like to say; it's it's actually really mm-hmm. happening, right. right? You know, our you know, in First Peter five, your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And I think one of the One of the great evils actually in our society today is that people don't recognize that that's actually happening. I think, you know, Satan has made himself so insidious and so he's so sly that Mm -hmm. some people are just even denying that he's there. So I know that with our kids, um, let me go back for a second. When I looked at first Peter five, what was interesting to me is before you even get to that verse earlier on, it's really a, um, a scripture around um, giving the people who are leading other people um, advice. So it says in there, tend the flock of God in your midst. And these are the things you need to do. And so who is our flock? And our flock is our family. Our flock is our children. So we're supposed to be tending to them. We're supposed to be casting our worries upon God because he cares for us. And then we're supposed to be sober and vigilant. And so, for example, with my kids, we talked a lot about um, just reminding them that there is a spiritual battle going on, and somebody is after you, and his name is the devil, and he is going to do whatever he can. To get into your mind, to get into your heart. There are a lot of different things, not to scare them, but to truly arm them. And Mm -hmm. I'll give you a couple of quick examples um, of that. It was interesting. We talked about, you know, your mind is a temple. God gave you your mind. What you see, you can't unsee. You are to protect your mind. God wants you to protect your mind. He wants you to think on those things that are holy and that are good and that are righteous, you know, and just sharing scripture with them, which is that truth. Is so important and so with our kids we said you know you need to make sure what are you what do you see on TV we did we never had we've never had cable TV mm. um, you know, what did you, what, but, but even normal TV, just awful things started coming up, all the evil things. And we said, what you see, you can't unsee. So be careful of what you see. And so there are two different times that, that I think about. One was, I remember there was, I think it was the Super Bowl or something. We had something hmm. on TV. We had a, a, a sports game of something on TV. And I was in the kitchen making food. And I was noticing that both the kids were kind of standing between the kitchen and the living room. So they were watching the TV. And then, every once in a while they'd turn their back on their TV and they would just talk to me. And I started to notice that it, actually there was a pattern to this. This wasn't just <laughs> natural. And there was a pattern. And I realized and I looked, and what they were doing is every time there was a commercial that mm-hmm. came on in between the sports, the, the sports we were watching, and the commercials were all about really awful evil shows that were happening, you know, a lot of demonic types of things, both of my children were turning their back on the television. Mm-hmm. They were willfully turning their back. And turning around and so equipping our kids so they can make those decisions there was another time john they were watching a movie at school and my kids were at a christian school the the movie was going to be okay but there was going to be some violence in the movie and they had read the book and then they were watching the movie and they knew there was violence and i and he knows he knows that he's very sensitive to violence because we didn't let him see a lot of violence Mm -hmm. growing up and so for a week my child during that class sat in the hallway and he was in like seventh or eighth grade Mm. and he sat in the hallway during that class for a week and did other work and he was the only kid who sat in the hallway and people would walk by and go oh did you get in trouble why are you in the hallway (laughs) right and he was setting himself apart he was saying i am not going to consume that i am not Mm. going to watch that because i know it doesn't work for my mind it's not good for my mind
0: yeah
2: yeah, just uh, just because a uh, family sends their children to a Catholic school or a Christian school doesn't mean that, yeah. thereby, um, their children are going to be preserved from all the toxicity of our culture.
3: Right, and um, you can't abdicate your responsibility to someone else. You you still right.
1: need to be vigilant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. Um the other thing too is we are in a war, right? We this is a battle. Um and so Ephesians six really does give us, and it's so interesting, Ephesians six, um, ten through seventeen, that part of the in in my Bible anyway, it's titled Battle Against Evil, Mm -hmm. right? And so scripture gives us and it says, you know, draw your strength from the Lord and his mighty power. So exactly what Father you were saying, and what you're saying, rely on him first from his mighty power and then write the very next line, draw your strength from the Lord and from his power and then put on the armor of God. Well, who needs an armor except somebody going into battle? So we Mm -hmm. are in this battle and making it, making it very clear for ourselves and for our kids that you are in battle. And it's so beautiful if you read through those scriptures that You've got a breastplate of righteousness, right? You've got this shield of faith. And I love this part that your shield of faith is actually it quenches the flaming arrows of the evil one. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that earlier today because I was thinking about how so many times we parent over out of fear. A lot of this stuff that's going on, we're like, we're afraid of Satan. We're afraid of this postmodern, this post-Christian modern culture that we're in. We're afraid of it. We do not need to be afraid of it. We can be strong in the Lord and we can parent with fear and the shield. I mean, parent, parent with faith, not with fear and the shield of faith that we have quenches the arrows of the evil one. We know the end of the story. We know who wins. We know who is, you know, has won and is winning. And so relying on him. Um, and drawing strength from the Lord. And I I just know I, oh, it's so hard sometimes because you see things going on and you just want to encourage people and say, you know, turn to him and recognize that, you know, he's got your back. He's, I think I told that story last week about Lily saying to me, Mom, I realize God's got my back, you know.
3: <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: well, I, well, I think too that... Um, we have to remember that through the trials when we get to the other side the peace and the joy that we experience in our families mm. is a spiritual gift mm-hmm. that peace and joy is is nothing like the the happiness that comes from instant gratification of the world mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. and and i see that now as my children are grown mm-hmm. that um You know, they they have a real understanding that it might have been difficult when they were young and were set apart Mm -hmm. and not included or popular, whatever those things um, they thought at the time were important. Uh, But they but they have that foundation and they have real peace and real joy that's beyond understanding in
2: their lives. That's great. Yeah.
1: Father, we want to let you in here. It's so hard. <laughs> we can't
2: see you, so... I'm enjoying listening to the two of you. great.
1: But our listeners actually tuned in to hear you, so we, <laughs> we need to be quiet and let you talk.
2: <laughs> you know, uh, again, trying to get back to the, to the heart of the matter, um, there has to occur at some point a fundamental conviction about um, one's faith, and um, where the where the world is with respect to our faith that it mm. that it's drifted far from um, you know any Christian values that had informed you know our culture uh, that those are long gone um, and um, and so one a person has to become convinced of that you know um, aware of it so that they can then begin begin acting on it so so how does that how does that fundamental conviction or awareness take place? Well, it's, it's where we always have to begin, and as conversion, you know, deeper conversion, uh, meaning our life uh, is more given over to the Lord, um, and as, as a person's uh, conversion to, to Christ deepens, the more they will see with greater clarity, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fundamental uh, values of our faith um, and how they stand in contrast to the values of the world, and and from there, uh, the person, uh, the, the 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 parent, the married couple um, can begin you know, making those those difficult decisions, uh, but the right decisions, the good decisions, the healthy decisions that are going to allow themselves and their families to really flourish uh, as god in, in, intends for them to to be fully alive mm.
1: and and father i think that is so profound because sometimes especially when you're in a conversation with somebody else and somebody else and you see truth i mean you see i really do believe you know even things like abortion where for us it's black and white there is it is truth that it, there's no gray area in this mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and you look at somebody else and you say why don't they get it? And what I realize is they can't see it. Mm-hmm. They can't see it. And mm-hmm. I go back to Romans 1. That that chapter, oh my gosh, if you guys haven't read it recently, <laughs> go back and read it. It blows me away every single time. And actually, I'm about to get emotional because it makes me really upset and sad thinking about. It talks about how God will give us over to a depraved mind. He will give us over to a depraved mind where we can't see things through his eyes. We can't see things with his truth. We can't see things the way he sees things because we have turned our backs on him. So, Father, when you mentioned conversion, that you're right. That's the heart of it. That's the very beginning of where it has Mm -hmm. to happen, because otherwise we are given over to a depraved mind in the middle of this depraved world that we're currently Mm -hmm. living in. And what hope do we have unless we can Allow him to make the scales drop from our eyes. Allow him to help us be able to see truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as yeah. you as you minister, um, Father, what kind of things do you encourage people to do if they if you know they they do say okay I, you know maybe I have fallen maybe I have been the the frog in the in the pot of warm water that was so comfortable and now it's boiling and I never jumped out. What can I do or what?
2: Yeah. Well, ground zero is prayer. It's in prayer we come before the Lord and and beg Him for for mercy and for the for the grace um, that we need uh, His His very life that's what grace is it's a a, a portion a share in in God's very life that His His grace would come and and fill our souls and um, help us to. Um, live in a way that is, you know, fully and, and wholly consistent with um, with the gospel and to our to our, our baptism. Um, and so, uh, prayer is where all important spiritual work is done. And mm-hmm. so, uh, people need to go to prayer, uh, beg the Lord for all the graces that they need to uh, to follow where where He is leading them. Mm.
3: I think, too, that one of the prayers of of my heart has always been for my kids is a community. Mm -hmm. Um, Even that one friend Mm -hmm. that is, their family's walking in the way of the Lord. They're, Mm -hmm. you know, can walk with my with my child or and then like-minded parents you know um community is really really important it, mm-hmm. it, it does take a village and um you know d- jesus gathered all those people around him those mm-hmm. disciples and we're st- we're still those disciples we're instruments of his truth and his peace so how can we walk together with others um not be judgmental speak the truth in love mm-hmm. help to admonish the sinner but lovingly um and I think that's really important, that community, building that community and praying for it. You know, right. God, please send me that supportive community that help, will help me discern.
1: Right, right. And,
2: and ideally, that first community is the family, mm-hmm. right? Right. Husband and wife are on the same page, and and they uh, create a, you know, domestic church, a space in which together as a family unit, you know, they have the support, the uh, the encouragement, the accountability that they need to, to, to live the gospel both inside the home and um and, and outside the home.
1: Yeah. And we are called to be salt and light to the world, right? So we've got to become that domestic church first and then we can um share his truth and his his light and all with, with the rest of the world. And one of the things that I was struck with recently is um I like to do a lot of work on charisms and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? Because, mm. you know, that's how how God works through us to love the rest of the world. And I started realizing that just like sometimes we talk about different parishes might have a different type of charism. I think different families might have a different charism as well. Mm. You know, so helping your family. So praying, obviously, but helping your family really living in the giftedness that God has given them, helping them really realize that they are Um, they are gods and they have there is a a plan for them there is a purpose for them and and they are there for everybody else they're there to be um light to the world and so how you how are you going to do that and that your family charism as you build your domestic church within your family i realize that for us there's kind of a combination but my husband has a real heart for service and i look at my kids and i look at some of the things that's happened in our family and that's That's where some of our kind of pouring into them and helping them realize to be set apart. You know, our vacations, we didn't go to the vacation, we didn't go to the typical type of vacations a lot of people did once a year. We would go on mission trips um, Mm -hmm. to Nicaragua. We did that quite a number of years. And when looking back on it, I realized. Oh, wow! We didn't make it to the beach this year. <laughs> you know this is how we set, but once again, it was kind of we were set apart to go do this and to serve in this way, and that started to become I think kind of the the charism of our family. I know we're getting off topic a little bit, but I bring that up also to say, listeners, next week we are going to get into even more specific details like that. you know what are more practical, specific details? um of how you can live this out and cri- criteria to think about when you are consuming the culture of today um when you are kind of more tactical practical things that you can do um, as you're as you're thinking about this topic and we really want you to ponder um this topic in your heart let god speak to you take it to you in prayer go before the blessed sacrament with this with this and and ask god you know what is going on in my world in my life have i been able to be um, this, this shepherd of this flock that I've been gifted with, um, if you do have a family, especially if you're a single parent, I think that's really even more, um, difficult to do. Um, but, but take this on and we will have Father Ketter back with us again, um, next week to continue to talk about this topic. Um, we've just got a couple of more minutes and we do want you to close, um, in prayer with us, Father. So is there anything else you want to make sure that our listeners hear from you today?
2: Yeah, just another scripture I, I thought I'd share, and it speaks to um, the reality that um, popular culture is called popular culture because it's popular. <laughs> and that's what most—that's what most people are doing. Um, but um, the, the Christian needs to um, be willing to be willing to be quote-unquote unpopular, you know, and not just uh, go along with. The mass of that massive humanity who unfortunately, you know, um, did, did not um, know Jesus or have not embraced him as Savior and Lord and, and, and follow him with all their lives. And so um, we, we have to be aware of that fact that if we really are going to be uh, fully committed disciples of the Lord Jesus, we're going to be in the minority. We're going to be different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the scripture it brings to mind is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7. Uh, probably it's, uh, it's one of the hard sayings of Jesus. You know the the, the 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 challenging words that he that he offers. That it's, enter through the narrow gate, for mm-hmm. the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and those who enter through it are many. How narrow the gate and constricted the road that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about here is being the few, Mm. being the faithful remnant, as, you know, was often referenced in the Old Testament scriptures, Uh, those who uh, are faithful to the Lord with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul, uh, and by His grace are able to pass through the narrow gate. Mm.
1: Thank you. And would you please pray a blessing for us, Mm -hmm. Father?
2: Sure. Um, Let's, uh, since we're often quoting scripture, let's, uh, let's draw on um, the scriptures for the, for the blessing. Um, it's from uh, Hebrews chapter 12, it's one of, my, one of my favorite blessings in scripture. May the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, Jesus our Lord, furnish you with all that is good, And may he carry out in you all that is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Padre Pio, and all the saints of heaven, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Father Father. Cather. And thank you, dear listeners. We look forward to having you join us again next week here on Shelter in Peace. Have a beautiful day.